As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it's Natalia and welcome back to Unfiltered Fashion Talks. Today we have Shannon from Factory 45 with us. How are you? I'm good, Natalia. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you on. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your kind of fashion journey in the industry. Yeah. So I uh, started off in the fashion industry in 2010. I was starting my own fashion brand. I did not have a fashion background. I was a journalism major in college. I uh, didn't know anything about sustainable fashion. And that is eventually what I sort of transition transitioned into um but yeah i started off um designing a line of 10 pieces that could be mixed and matched to create over 100 different looks i quickly realized it was going to be very expensive and very <laughs> difficult to do that yep so simplified down into one piece that could be worn over 30 different ways and we launched it with a Kickstarter campaign that became the highest funded fashion project in Kickstarter history at the time. Uh, we quadrupled our first production run. We were featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal. It was this kind of whirlwind experience. And it, it really led me to think like, it should be easier for people to do this in a way that is sustainably and ethically made. And that led me to what I do now, which is Factory 45, the online business school that takes sustainable fashion brands from idea to launch. That is so cool. I love to hear that. And I'm so excited to get into all of this, but um, I'm kind of interested in how you started like learning about sustainability and sustainable fashion overall. Yeah. So I was a bargain bin fast fashion junkie in college. Like Me too. I was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was known for like going to Forever 21 on Friday after classes, buying a dress for $10, right? And, right. and wearing it once that night and then throwing it into the back of my closet and never wearing it again. So I was definitely a part of the fast fashion problem. And it wasn't until I started researching what it would take to create my own line or my own product that I realized how detrimental the fast fashion industry and just the fashion industry in, ge in general um, is to the environment and to the people who make our clothing. Um, and so that led me down a long, long road of research. I, I talked to farmers in Missouri and 
cotton farmers in Texas and professors and eco-friendly supermodels in Brooklyn and just started really diving into the research. Um, and that's what led us to eventually create a product that was um, within a, the supply chain was all within a 50 mile radius in North Carolina, which at the time was pretty much unheard of. Yeah, um, for sure. And all recycled materials, organic fabrics, um, you know, natural wood buttons, all the things. That's so cool. I think it's so unheard of to just have the supply chain be like so close to each other, especially in the fashion industry. I feel like you hear like textiles from like this country and this from that country and manufacturing over here and there. And it's like so everywhere. It's so cool that you were able to to manage that. Was it hard to kind of do that and find a way to make it work? It was. It took us a year and a half to set up our supply chain. And that was because like a combination of we were newbies, like we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know how to walk the walk or talk the talk. Like suppliers would not write us back because, you know, we just didn't know what to say or how to say it. We were also purists. So we like really wanted everything to be like perfectly sustainable. There's no such thing as perfectly sustainable. Anytime you're making something new, it has an impact. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that really, you know, doors started to open when we raised money and we had capital behind us through the Kickstarter campaign. We had 700 customers who had already opened their wallet and said, yes, I want what you're making. And then we were able to go to factories and say, all right, we're ready to go into production. Like, let's do this. Right. No, that makes total sense. Um, What was like your first step into kind of creating the fashion brand or like what were yeah, like list off like your your steps in like what you should do first in terms of like if you're going into all of this, because there's a lot to think about in terms of like where to source and where to manufacture and whatever, like what would you recommend somebody to to start with? Yeah, I probably wouldn't recommend going the route that I went. Um, <laughs> so definitely mistakes made, lessons learned there, but that is what eventually, you know, those lessons became the factory 45 program, which Mm -hmm. is so basically what I teach through factory 45, kind of the model or the strategy is we start with sourcing because that's what takes the longest finding your fabric and materials can take a really long time. Mm -hmm. Then we go into audience building. So this is one thing that I will say we did right. When I was doing this, we started a blog. This was before Instagram. This was when (laughs) Facebook reach, like your Facebook page just had organic reach and you didn't Mm -hmm. have to pay to play. Um, so we started building an audience and that is something that I still, to this day, I think is instrumental to the success of a brand's launch. Um, you have to start building up your audience through your email list, your text message list, your social media channels, and start talking about your idea well in advance of ever going into production. Um, then we go into product development and um, setting up your manufacturing, your patterns and samples. Module four of the program is e-commerce marketing. So learning how to sell online and market online, um, which we saw, you know, with the pandemic, it's no longer optional. You have to be able to sell online. You can't just rely on wholesale to boutiques and stores. Um, And then we go into module five, which is raising money through pre-selling. And again, that could be through a crowdfunding site like Kickstarter, which is what I use, but it can also be through pre-selling on your own e-commerce site like Shopify 
or through a virtual pop-up on Instagram. But the whole idea is that you're not risking your own money, your own savings, you're testing the market and you're essentially having your customers finance your production run for you. Yeah, no, that's such a smart way to think about it because it is really intimidating to go into kind of manufacturing and all that and see all the costs. Like I've been kind of researching it myself and it is just wild how expensive it can get to even just create like a few pieces. Like you're talking like small batch manufacturers. It's still so, so expensive and it's such a big investment. And then you're left with all these pieces that you don't know if they're going to sell or not. And it's just like, so crazy. Yeah. And talk about sustainability. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing more sustainable than making sure you have the customer for the mm-hmm. product that you're not creating inventory. That's just going to sit in a warehouse and can't be sold. Um, so there's so many benefits to the pre-sales model. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I think that's, that's such a smart model to go with. Um, I've actually, I've never looked into like crowdfunding or that kind of stuff like I kind of do I do made to order stuff so it's basically all pre-sale on my own website um but I'm kind of interested in kind of like how crowdfunding works and like how you like raise that kind of capital yeah I think that it's a great way to have kind of like this bigger launch you know like if you want to get a bulk amount of pre-orders at once it's a really good way to do it because you have a goal you have a timeline And, you know, when people think about Kickstarter, they often think like, oh, it's charity, like people are giving you donations. No, they're pre-ordering your rewards are the actual garments or the products. Um, So it's a great way just, again, test the market, make sure you have customers for what you want to create. And then if you don't reach your goal, you don't get any of the money, which people think is a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing because then you don't have to produce what you know, the, the minimal amount of orders that you got. So, um, Mm -hmm. it, it is just like a really great way to just have one like bigger launch. Um, if you are just doing made to order on your own website. Yeah, no, that's, that's super smart way to think about it because I feel like anytime I hear crowdfunding or anything like that, I think of it kind of as a charitable donation. It's like, Oh, like I want to support you. But like, if you put it that way of like, they're kind of prepaying for what you're going to offer. I feel like that's such a, such a smart way to think about it. I literally have never thought about it that way. And you just like blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. I talk about this a lot. So you can listen. I have some podcast episodes on it and blog posts, YouTube videos. So check those out if you, if you want to learn more. Yes. No, that's literally so smart. Like I'm, I'm mind blown and I'm going to go check them out because like, <laughs> I've never heard of it, like spoken that way. And I think that's such a smart way to go about it. Um, mm. So what would you say is like a big mistake that people make coming into kind of the fashion industry or like creating a clothing brand or anything like that? Yeah, I think there are a few and maybe like common misconceptions. Um, One of them is definitely back to kind of what I was saying, not building an audience before you launch. I think often people think like, oh, I'll just like do a Kickstarter campaign and then all these random strangers will, you know, pre-order what I'm creating. Uh, That's not typically how it works. And (laughs) you really have to build an audience well before you're ready to hit that launch button. Um, So doing that, you know, six months to a year in advance is what I recommend so that you have people on your email list, social media channels, whether that's YouTube channel, you know, whatever it is, um, somewhere where you're building an online audience. Um, 
another misconception is I think just like timing, everything takes longer than Mm -hmm. you think it's going to. So if you really like, you know, you don't, no one ever feels ready. I think that's the, the, the thing to remember. If you don't feel ready now, start anyway, because Mm -hmm. no one ever feels ready and you're going to wish that you started yesterday. So, um, because again, you're waiting on suppliers, you're waiting on manufacturers, you're waiting on a bunch of different people and, and to be able to really like make forward progress, you need to start getting the wheels going well in advance. Yeah, no, that's, that's really smart. Um, how would you, like, I feel like trying to figure out how to word this question, but like when you're starting a clothing brand, I feel like sometimes it's so hard to like kind of differentiate yourself or like prove that you're going to be so much different than like the millions of other brands that there are out there. So if you're like crowdfunding and trying to get, you know, people to, you know, want to follow what you're going to create, like, how would you like recommend people to like differentiate themselves or how, how do you see people differentiate themselves? Because I feel like it just, it can feel like such a saturated industry sometimes. And I feel like it's hard to like, to find your own space and be like, I promise I'm going to be different than the rest. Like, this is one thing that I talk about a lot and it's two things there. I, I see there's two, the two best ways to stand out as a startup fashion brand. The first one is, well, they're both your unique selling position. So it can either be you're solving a problem or you're appealing to an ideal target market niche. So I think if you can niche down and really get specific about who your customer is, that is going to not only help you come out to them faster, but they're going to appear to you sooner as well. So it just really creates more like clarity and um, simplification in who you're marketing to. And those people will come out faster to support you. Back to the first one, solving a problem. People often think like, oh, I just want to make like cool clothes. I'm not solving a problem. Mm -hmm. This is like, that's not for me. But if you really dig deep and you dive into it and you know who the customer is that you're serving, there is a problem you're solving. Like there is, it it can be an aspirational feeling. It can be, um, it can be the simplest thing. Like when we're talking about fashion, yeah, we're probably not solving world hunger. It would be great if we were, (laughs) but for this, you know, you're solving a problem for your customer in the way that they feel about themselves or think about themselves or get dressed in the morning or, or maybe you make it easier for them. I always use the example of like, maybe you make clothing for postpartum mothers who just need to feel a little bit better in the morning when they have a newborn who just spit up on them and (laughs) change into something that makes them feel more beautiful. So Mm -hmm. really diving deep, what problem are you solving and what uh, target market niche are you appealing to? Yeah. I love that way of thinking. I feel like it is so easy with clothing to be like, okay, well, like we're really not doing much besides looking pretty or whatever, but you know, when you do get down into it, it is important to have like that self-confidence and to feel beautiful and like clothes do help you do that. So I do think it's important to look at it from that way. It's just sometimes hard to like take a step back and be like, what are we really doing here? You know? Yeah. And who are we doing it for? 
Exactly. Cause that's also, <laughs> that also plays a part for sure. Um, so I want to talk about more about factory 45 and everything you do. So like kind of walk us through the step-by-step of like, if somebody were to like work with you guys, like how does it work? Yeah. So factory 45 is entirely online. It's, we have the online program component that you would think of more as like a course. That's like the pre-recorded uh, content that really walks you through again, sourcing, audience building, product development, e-commerce marketing, and then raising money. So that spans over six months. Then we have the alumni mentorship portion of the program. So you're matched up with someone who has already graduated from Factory 45 and is currently running their own fashion brand. So they're doing what you want to be doing. And they're there for one-on-one support every single day. All of the mentors, we have 13 mentors, they all run um, two times weekly live classes. So we have live co-working sessions every week and live workshops on a specific topic every week. So you can get the info in real time, you know, updated um, real time uh, education. And then I teach a masterclass every month um, with hot seat coaching and Q&A. So there's just like, Every single way that you would could think of to be supported mm-hmm. is pretty much there for you, um, as well as the framework and roadmap to follow to go from idea to raising money and launching your brand. Right. No, I love that. I feel like it is really hard to find support sometimes as an entrepreneur and like find people who are doing what you're doing or like have done what you want to do and finding people that can help you out. So I love that. That's like a factor in that. So like somebody wants to start a clothing brand, they like get the mentorship and everything. Do you guys have connections to like manufacturers and sourcing and all of that kind of stuff too? Yeah, good question. We um, have vetted databases of suppliers, fabric suppliers um, who sell low minimums and sustainable fabrics. So that is handed to everyone. And then we have databases for pattern and sample makers, again, who have been vetted. They're from all over the world. Um, And then we have a database of manufacturers and factories from all over the world. And we have a media database as well so that you can start building buzz and reaching out to different podcasts, um, magazines, blogs, websites, different publications um, to get coverage for your brand. That's really cool. I love that. I feel like that really like has everything you'll, you'll possibly, possibly need. What's been like the most successful way for people to kind of like promote their brands? Like you've have, have you found it to be like strictly like social media, like email marketing, um, like magazines, podcasting, that type of stuff, or like, what have you seen most success with? I think it depends on the brand. I think it depends on like their audience, who they're trying to get in front of. Um, email is still so important. You have to build your email list. You have like that, have ownership of that audience because you don't own your Instagram. You don't own your Facebook, your Pinterest, your TikTok. None of those audiences, they can go away tomorrow. So, um, I also, you know, collaborating with influencers can be really effective in getting in front of existing audiences. This is what I tell my entrepreneurs early on is, you know, when you're starting, with an audience of zero and you're starting from scratch. Yes, it's important to focus on creating content for 
your audience, but it's more important to create content and collaborate and get in front of existing audiences. So that could be, you know, the podcaster who has a similar target market niche as you or uh, an Instagram influencer who will do an Instagram live with you, uh, someone who will host you as an interview on their YouTube channel, all of these different ways um, to get in front of your existing audience and then and an existing audience and then bring them back to your audience. Um, that is the most effective way. And then to nurture your relationship with that audience as you go. Yeah, I think you bring up a really great point about email marketing, which I feel like a lot of people don't ever like remember is that like, yeah, like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, whatever, they could literally go away and then you lose everybody that has ever wanted to support you and then they have no way to find you. And I feel like people really undervalue like emails a lot, especially like I know like my generation really like undervalues it because it's like, oh, whatever, emails, like nobody cares. But I'm yeah. like trying to email market here. I'm like, guys, please sign up for my emails. Like I promise I'm not going to spam you. I just want to make sure that I have your contact in case everything were to just shut down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And you know, if you're, if you're resistant to email marketing, then try text messaging, um, the text list, like there's a platform called community that I use. And that's another way, like that is an audience that you own, but you can have communication with them and like, fine, it's not email, but it's texting. Um, so find a way to just not rely solely on social media if you are trying to build a brand or a business. Yeah, for sure. Cause I think it can get scary. I don't know. Like TikTok has like been like, oh, we're going to be banned so many times. Obviously it hasn't happened, but like, you know, <laughs> there's been rumors. And then like the one day, like a couple months ago that Instagram like shut down for like a good amount of the day and everybody was like, what is going on? Like, yes. Those things like they're scary, but email, I mean, texting, I think is a really good option. I hadn't thought about that, but I feel like I would much prefer getting texts other than emails. Cause I feel like they're not bombarding you as much usually. And you're more likely yeah. to actually see it than an email. You know, It is such a generational thing too. Mm -hmm. Um, for sure. I'm like a millennial, but on the older side of the millennials and, you know, we're still in email, but I, I know the younger generations are uh, very email resistant. So I think it, again, it's about like, who is your audience? Maybe you have a boomer, baby boomer audience. Right. Like they're reading emails. So just figuring out where you can sort of connect with your customer in a way that, you know, they're already there. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's so true. Um, speaking on kind of like generational differences and stuff, have like, I find that like with sustainable and ethical fashion, it tends to be geared a lot towards like younger generations, or at least it's said that younger generations tend to care more about it. Um, have you found that like you have a pretty wide range of like audiences with the brands that you're kind of onboarding and stuff from Factory 45 with like age ranges and stuff? I do. I think that's always fascinating to me because I, I also think it starts to skew depending on like, as I get older, like right. <laughs> my students can sort of get older too. Um, but no, I, um, we have, let's, we have like Gen X making caftans. We have Gen Z making like athlete, like hip hop athleisure. Like mm -hmm. it, it, it spans across the board. We have, you know, we have a lot of moms who are making uh, children's products or children's wear. So it's a big, big range, um, which is really fun and keeps it, you know, kind of exciting and, and versatile. 
Yes. No, I love that because I feel like being like an older Gen Z, I feel like all I see is Gen Z stuff. And I'm like, I wonder if any other like generations doing stuff too in this space. Cause I feel like I'm just like fed only Gen Z like content on all my social media because I'm oh, part yeah. of it. You are. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I know that's what I get, but I'm like, I wonder if like everybody else is also caring as much about sustainability and ethics as, as I am or my generation is. <laughs> yeah. I think that also like, it depends. Like when we talk about sustainability, there are like certain generations care about certain elements of sustainability more like Gen Z may care more about like the fashion and sustainability piece. Whereas like baby boomers may care about the food and sustainability piece. Maybe millennials care more about like beauty products and sustainability. So I think there's like, we all kind of have our things that we're interested in and, and you, you know, you can't care about all the things. If you would right. just be in a closet <laughs> sitting there and <laughs> rocking back and forth in the dark, yeah. you tried to care all, about all the things. Um, and that's something I've had to learn too, as I've gotten older, you know, like you, you want to be a world changer and, and that is great. But if you, if you care about everything, then it just gets to be too overwhelming. So I think it's important that everyone has something that they care about and that they try to make better in the world. And it's okay if you can't do every other thing, focus on that one thing. Yeah, no, I like that that perspective because it is definitely, it gets so overwhelming to think about everything that's wrong with the world. And you're like, I want to do everything right. But then it's actually physically impossible to actually do everything all the time as one yeah. person. But if you see it as like everybody's doing a little bit of everything, it's it's a lot easier to digest, a little bit That's nicer right. to take in. Everyone's doing a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So I like that perspective a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, so sustainability in fashion is like rising a bunch, but at the same time, like so is fast fashion in a weird way. What do you like? see as the future of fashion like do you think fast fashion's ever gonna like come down or do you think it's only gonna keep going up because like Shein recently is like at a I don't know like 10 billion dollars or something crazy like that which is wild but at the same time it's like sustainable fashion is kind of rising but it's like are we ever gonna get to that same not same level because you don't want to be fast fashion but like you know what I mean yeah it's uh it's tough it's really tough to imagine people prioritizing the environment over their own, like just desire to look good, feel good, express themselves creatively. Um, And that's probably a cynical view, but it might not be into like, (laughs) it might not be until like we, there's no other option. Um, I will say, I think the imp- that sustainable fashion is rising and that is very important. And mainly because the brands who care about sustainability are the ones talking about it. And so that education of the consumer, that messaging, even if it is for marketing purposes, is so important. And I think if like <laughs> you can get one person over to the, to the, right. the, the other side, then that's something. Um, But ultimately, I think the only way for the fast fashion industry to change is for the fast fashion brands to change, for their business models to change, for money not to be the only benchmark of success. Um, 
and it's just hard to imagine that happening. I hope that it will. I hope that all of these brands, you know, H&M and Zara, all these ones like committing to sustainability and, you know, by the year 2030, <laughs> right. like, it's like crazy, but um, I hope that that does move the needle and make a change. Um, you know, I read something from a journalist, fashion journalist, Mark Bain, you know, a while ago that said even a landfill of organic cotton clothing is an overflowing landfill. Right. So, you know, it's, we have to, we have to reduce our polyester use, um, petroleum-based synthetics. We have to move away from that and into more natural fibers, but yeah, it's, it's a huge problem. And thankfully there are people trying to tackle it. Um, but we need it. We need it from all sides. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, how you said there's like an, an over pile of like organic cottons also like still over consumption. Like, do you ever feel overwhelmed with the idea that you're still like creating new stuff even though it's like sustainable and ethical, but then at the same time, you're like, is this even necessary? Like, why am I producing new stuff? Because I feel like I get in that mindset sometimes. I'm like, should I even be doing this? Like, why am I doing this? But then like, I want to be doing it, but then I'm like, should I be doing it? (laughs) The analogy I use is like, when the government tells us we need to reduce our water waste and, um, you know, shorten our showers, right? Like, Mm -hmm. It's not individual people who need to shorten their showers. It's like animal <laughs> agriculture that needs to stop using so much water. It's the right. oil industry, it's the fashion industry. These major industries and these corporations, they're the ones who need to gri- get a grip on <laughs> what they're doing. So I, I'm hesitant to blame like the sustainable fashion brands or to say we don't need another more stuff from them mm-hmm. because again, they're the ones educating and and marketing and messaging why it's important and not just from a fashion standpoint you know many of them are more like lifestyle brands or holistic brands who talk Mm -hmm. about like reducing your how much meat you eat or um you know just other elements of sustainability that i think again educates the consumer and and that is ultimately what we need yeah, no, I think that's a good way to put it because sometimes I just fall into that mindset of like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I shouldn't be producing more. And I, I think it is, it's hard to not like blame the individuals for everything. Cause I feel like that's all you see on, on like social media. That's what everybody tells you. It's like, you need to be reducing your own whatever. And it's just like you, 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 when you just forget that there's actually just huge corporations that are doing all the damage and like your tiny plastic straw is probably not the problem, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that it's, it goes hand in hand. We need consumers to Mm -hmm. do better and to reduce, you know, reduce their plastic use, all the, all the things, but yes, it, it, it's not like you making something beautiful and talking about it, talking about made to order, like all of those things I think are important and helpful for the industry as a whole. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, to wrap this up, what would what advice would you give to somebody like wanting to start their own brand? Uh, my advice would be to identify your your unique selling position. So again, back to mm-hmm. what we talked about, you're either the problem you're solving or the target customer, the target niche, um, niching down, 
And then I would say just like start doing the research, put together a one page business plan. I have a free template um, on the Factory 45 website that you can download and just start kind of mapping out what the business looks like in a very kind of succinct and and comprehensive way um, on one page. You don't need a 40 page business plan, especially when you're not pitching investors. Um, And then I would seek out the education. So it is not a supplier or a manufacturer's job to educate you and to tell you like what (laughs) you need to do and how you make a pattern, how you make it sample. There are people like me, you can go to my YouTube channel, my blog to um, learn um, how to do those things. You can join a program like Factory 45. You can seek out a coach or a mentor, um, but find someone to help you because it will in the long run, save you so much money and so much time to have this sort of framework and roadmap to follow in going from idea to launch. Yes. Perfect. I love that. I'll have all the resources that you mentioned linked down below in the description. Um, but thank you so much for coming on today. Would you like to like, you know, shot yourself out? Where can people find you and factory 45 and all the things? Sure. Um, If you are interested in launching your brand with us, um, you can go to factory45.co and book a call with our director of enrollment, Hannah. Um, You can have a conversation with her about your business goals and if Factory 45 is the right fit for you. Um, And then otherwise, I'm on Instagram at factory45co. I have a podcast called Start Your Sustainable Fashion Brand. And then I also have a YouTube channel at Factory 45. Perfect. I will have a link to everything down below so you guys can check it out. And again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge with us. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me, Natalia. Of course. And I will see you guys in the next one. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.